You are listening to The 1% Christian, the daily Bible study where we get together for 1% of our day, we study God's Word, then we head out to the remaining 99% to do something amazing with this life that God's given us. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio with Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. I invite you to check us out at soh.church, and while you're there, download our free mobile app. There's a digital Bible on there that you can carry around with you, all of our teachings, a great online community. If you're listening anywhere where you get your podcasts, like, share, subscribe, turn on your notifications, leave a five-star review, recommendation on social media, all of that is good stuff. Appreciate it very much. It lets people know that this is a worthwhile use of time. I mean, think about it. One of the greatest gifts that God gives us is our time here. We've been talking the last couple of days about what it means to, actually yesterday in particular, as we're in Matthew chapter 25, continuing and actually closing out that chapter today, uh, we're talking about uh, using what God has given you, right? Uh, God gives us talents. God gives us ability. God gives us resources. God gives us our time. And when we give our time back to him and when we give what he gives us back to him, because it's all his anyway, what happens is that stuff gets multiplied. And I know that term multiplication, you know, gets used and a lot of times even just trying to coax people into into giving more to a particular organization. That's not what I'm talking about here. But a lifestyle that is uh, one that gives one that kind of gives cheerfully, right, uh, that gives from the heart, is one that God can use. I mean, I mean imagine, right? Imagine that, that there was a vessel that uh, you were pouring into, but you could never pour back out of. Eventually, it's like it's going to get full, and there's not anything that you can do with it. But when God knows that you are a conduit for him where he can pour into you and through you and bless other people— um, you know, that's what I believe is really the expanding the territory, right? We love the prayer of Jabez for that reason, right? Expand my territory, Lord. Well, why? For your glory, for my glory? No, for his glory, right? He wants us to bear fruit to prove that we are his disciples and use the time that we have here on earth to be uh, to be just uh, to be a blessing, to have an impact. And that really brings us here because we're in Matthew chapter 25. Remember, 25 is an extension of 24. It's it's still part of the Olivet Discourse where Jesus is talking to his disciples. We just did an extensive study on Matthew 24, uh, so I won't go back into that, but he's talking about what it will be like at the end of the age. We have defined the end of the age. The end of the age is... Th- the end of the old covenant. Uh, we are in the fullness of the new covenant now, right? And with the resurrected power of Jesus, uh, the great commission, uh, and honestly born into this generation, uh, not just to watch and wait for things to happen, but to make an impact because we have the keys to the kingdom of God. Amen. So as we transitioned from Matthew chapter 24 into Matthew 25, Jesus once again starts teaching in parables, right? Jesus taught in parables to be relatable. He also taught in parables so that those who were listening intently uh, would understand. And inside every parable is a kingdom principle, right? So the way we read these parables, 
Uh, we read them uh, through the lens of what how the audience would have received and applied, right? So over the last few days when we talked about uh, the parable of the ten virgins, right, that was about preparedness. And what did they, especially in the first century, need to be prepared for? All the things that were going on, right? The complete transition from old covenant to new covenant, which they were taking part of. Um, that gives the example in there about the oil, right? Having uh, the... Uh, the oil in the lamps, right? And we equated the oil in the lamps to us having the Holy Spirit, right? Um, and really, what kingdom principle did we pull out of that? We pulled out of it that God's going to give us opportunities, kingdom opportunities. And if we are too deeply, you know, rooted into our flesh, ourselves, uh, we miss those opportunities, right? Yesterday was the parable of the talents and talked about the three servants that the master left. Um, two of the, two out of the three took the master's, uh, you know, gold, money, talents, right? A talent was a unit of money. Uh, and actually invested and got back and got those things multiplied, right? But the one that held back and just hid it and had the misunderstanding of God didn't multiply that. So uh, in in essence, that one lost. And what we equated that to in our lives is that basically like, you know, God gives you God gives you things. <laughs> he gives you all these resources. And if we don't use them, we lose them, right? Use it or lose it in a, in a sense. And using it for his glory is the way to really help to expand that. So Jesus now kind of shifts to uh, what we could say is another parable to some extent, um, but it is definitely um, – th there's imagery here. There's a metaphorical. We're going to talk about the sheep and the goats, and I don't think he's separating actual sheep and ac actual goats. He's separating people. Uh, so, uh, you know, we can definitely apply it in that way. But in this um, – we'll call it a parable – there is a discussion about a separation between two people that will stand before God. So at the outset of this, I do want to say that I believe that all of us at some point will stand before God when this life is over and go into the next. Uh, so uh, as we go through this and, and we teach it, we're going to look at it again through two different lenses. Now, Matthew 25, I have a special place in my heart because when I was in Atlanta doing ministry. Uh, this was actually before I was uh, I was a pastor or really in official ministry. Tech, you know, I say official in air quotes. Um, I felt the urge to go out and feed the homeless, which is something I've done my whole life. Even as a little kid, I would save my lunch money and I would go find those in the community and I'd buy them cookies. I'd buy them uh, you know, coffee. And I'm not saying that to out myself at all here, uh, but that's just a, a burning desire that I've had, you know, my whole life. Um, so when I was down in Atlanta one Thanksgiving, God spoke to me, uh, and I do say that in the way that it sounds. It was as close to audible as I've ever heard. And I got a group of my coworkers together and we started a movement where we went ahead and we would feed the homeless on Thanksgiving. And within a few days, we were able to get up enough food and resources to feed hundreds of people. And the cool thing is today that m movement still happens and they don't know how it started. <laughs> is every As far as I know, as of last year, uh, it was still going on. They feed 
you know, hundreds, if not over a thousand people every Thanksgiving morning. And it started just in a cubicle with a couple of people. Uh, and, and God multiplied that, which is very awesome. But the reason is, is that I, I used to, prior to every year that we did it, I would read a portion of Matthew chapter 25 that we're going to, you know, hang on for the kingdom principle here. Uh, but of course, there are deeper underlying um, implications of this parable that have to do with the original audience. So let's go ahead and break this down. This is Matthew chapter 25. Uh, We are going to start with verse 31, and I believe we're going to go through 46. We're going to go to the end of the chapter. So if you hit the end of the chapter, you know we're there. So let's go ahead and read. When the Son of Man comes in his glory... And all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people from one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Okay, so we see a differentiation between two, right? God, once again, putting himself in the context of a shepherd, right? Jesus did this often, and Jesus also always called or or sometimes called those who were his, right, the flock, his flock, he, my sheep, my sheep hear my voice. They listen to me. They come to me, right? Um, and when he was talking to Peter, and he, and, he, and he says, Peter, do you love me? He says, yes, I love you. He said, what, feed my sheep, right? So, he's, so so we know that the believers in Scripture are known as, as sheep, right? And the Father being the shepherd. So we see that distinction here. Let's keep on reading. It says, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my Father and take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Okay? So Jesus is talking to those on his right, the sheep, right? The shepherd is talking to the those on his right and detailing ways that they had blessed him and served him, right? And he, and he noticed what he points to, those who are hungry, those who are thirsty, those who are strangers, those who need clothes, right? Those who are naked, right? I, those who are sick, those who are in prison. Notice how every one of these scenarios is someone who is either outcast, downtrodden, looked down upon, pitied, really at the lowest of the low right, in terms of what we would deem in a societal sense. And, you know, when, and look, I, I want to say it this way. If you're out there and you're sick, I'm not saying you're the lowest of the low, but in all of these scenarios, right, we are we are in need of other people, right? Other people have a real opportunity to bless us. And when somebody is hungry or somebody is thirsty or somebody is a stranger and they need something, Right, you, you ever just get an act of kindness from a random stranger? You're stuck on the side of the road. Somebody comes and and you know helps you fix a tire or lets you use their phone or just gives you a ride. So, I mean, 
you know, these are things that are like, wow, you know, this person didn't have to do this. I'm nothing to this person, so to speak, yet they did this. And we see this contrast between Jesus and even the religious leaders. Let's look at the lepers, right? The lepers were people that the religious leaders said, basically stand as far away as possible. They had rules on distance, right? You want to talk about what we just went through. There was a rule on how far you could stand from somebody. Uh, Think about that for a second. And they would say, you have to yell unclean so nobody comes near you. Could you imagine feeling that way or being treated that way? And uh, to be honest, we treat people that way sometimes. We treat some of the homeless that way sometimes. And Jesus... What did he do? Jesus closed the gap. Jesus went right up to the leper and would touch the leper and heal the leper. Meanwhile, the religious leaders were running away. Okay? That's the distinction. Jesus moved and operated in power, and he went to the last, the least, and the lost. Those who were downtrodden, those who were cast out, Jesus was with them. So what's being talked about here is a time of separation. So let's keep reading where the separator is what you did with what the time that you had for the people that God cared for tremendously. I won't say most. He cares for all of us the same. But Jesus in his treatment of these people and his treatment of the children, treatment of women, you know, things that the societal system wanted to, you know, Uh, make not as important, Jesus and the gospel is the great equalizer, okay? says, then the righteous will answer him. Okay, so now those are right. Those who did all these things are the righteous. said, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did you see a stranger and see you as a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? So they're inquiring, like, when did this happen? You're the, you're the king. You're the Lord. When, when did we see you in, in prison? Not that we wouldn't, but, you know, we don't understand in this parable. That's what's happening. We don't understand. What are you talking about? And then the king will reply. This is verse, I think, 40. Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. I'll just continue reading, and then we're going to stick on this here. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. And then they will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then you go away to eternal punishment and the righteous to eternal life. So we see a separation here. And this, again, very, very strong words of you know, of of elevation to eternal life and then eternal punishment, right? So there, there's a differentiator here. Okay, so try to think of where exactly to start. We'll end it with the kingdom principle, but what I want to address, address first and foremost is like, when is this going to happen? 
right? Everybody stands before God. It says earlier in the in the verses that there would be a time where all nations will stand before God. Now, again, I, at the start of this, I said it already. I believe that we all will stand before the Father when we die. Now, the question is, in the new covenant, with everything that you've learned so far, will we stand before God based upon what we did or based upon what we did with Jesus? Because if what we did in terms of our behavior, and before you start throwing stones at me saying, hey, are you saying that behavior doesn't matter? Behavior does matter. Okay, but do we live under a uh, covenant of grace or a covenant of works? Okay, because if we live under works, we're all in trouble because all of us, what? Romans 3.23, all of us sin and fall short of the glory of God. So we look at this and we see people standing before the king and being accounted for what they as to what they did. Okay, so there's a couple schools of thought here, and I'm going to throw it out there. Some people believe that this is a future judgment, okay, Uh, a future judgment where everybody stands before and gets judged upon works. Where I find that problematic, okay, is that since all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, what's the measure? How good is good enough? And we've really gravitated out of being saved by grace. We're really at that point saved by works. So what is the other alternative here? Now, we've been reading through Matthew chapter 24, uh, and we see the end of the age and there being a time where the old covenant is shut off and the new covenant is in full effect, right? Which I believe we are in the full effect of the new covenant, right? The covenant of faith and grace, right? So what are we looking at here? Okay. Um, what I would say this is, okay, is at the time of the complete transition, right? Those who are in the law, remember the law was all about works. Okay. So those, and think of this for a second, all of the people that had died up until the point of Jesus's resurrection, (laughs) right? And in that first century, what, what goes on there? The judgment that they would be judged by is the judgment uh, by the law. Now, if I stood before you today and said, I know everything that happens after we leave this world and stand in front of God, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be able to do that. And anybody who does that, okay, you know, I'm not going to throw stones, but, you know, obviously there is more to the afterlife. You know, here's what we know about it, right? And in, in, in what we find from, you know, Corinthians, right, is no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor mind has ever even fathomed the things that are in store for those who love the Lord. It's better than we, for those who are in Christ, it is better than we could ever, 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 ever imagine, okay? So I want to reassure you uh, with that today. But what I find problematic is if we put this, this exact judgment in the new covenant, right? Where all nations stand before the king and get judged by works. Where do we make the room for grace there? Okay. So what I will say is, and and it would be a much longer study to go into this, but you see, uh, even in Thessalonians, 
in the in the letter to the Thessalonians, they are concerned about those who have what they call fallen asleep before the end, before the end of the age, before the resurrection, right? And Paul assures them that they will be with God, that there will be an awakening, okay? So what I'm positioning to you is the resur- that resurrection with the, the awakening, where the, those stood before God— that all, right, is is happening in culmination with the transition of the covenants. Now, for those who are in Christ, it says those who are absent from the body will be present with the Lord. So, again, deeper study on that end here. But uh, – and it doesn't take away from our absolute necessity to live a life that blesses others – right? To care for those who are the last, the least, and the lost. That is what Jesus did, and we are called to be like Jesus, so that is what we are called to do. Uh, But I will say in the context of this parable, the separation of the sheep and the goats, and I absolutely believe that you do not want to leave this world without Christ, okay? Uh, That's that's not what you want. But uh, is this a future final judgment? Or is based upon works? Again, to me, that's the hang-up. Or is is this a uh, separation at the time that we have been studying? Okay, I'll leave that to you, and we could delve into that a little more. I don't want to take too much time. But what I do want to hit on, especially, is is this, what you do for the least of these, you do for me. There are so many opportunities out there to to be the hands and the feet of Jesus, especially to those who the world, who the uh, you know the the religions, the the cast outs, the downtrodden, the the sick. I mean, there is so much opportunity to be the love of God to other people. Are we taking advantage of that? Right, realizing. Because I'll tell you, there's there's certain ministries that are very difficult to be in because, uh, you know, they're like the homeless ministry. I've, I've been I've, I've been working with the homeless almost my entire uh, adult life in ministry. Uh, I have had people that that I've sewn into for when I say virtually years, years, and have have tried to lead them out. Um, I can think I, I won't tell you specific stories, but. People who who uh, you know came accepted Christ you know changed their life and then man the drugs just got them again and they and they were back out there now do I think that they took Christ with them absolutely but they fell uh, it's a very difficult ministry to to be a part of uh, but if we take the mentality of what we do is for God and even not for them you know what I'm saying they are blessed by God through you. And if you believe that God loves every single person and you're willing to sometimes get out of your own flesh and be that conduit for God to bless people through you, you will be incredibly blessed, right? What we do for those who sometimes can't even do for themselves, for those who nobody wants to help, we do directly for Jesus himself, directly for Jesus. What you do for that man who's old dirty standing on the street corner, that's Jesus on that street corner. What you do for the person that doesn't live the lifestyle that you would like but can use 
an encouraging word, can use a glimpse of God's love. You're, lo- you're loving Jesus directly by loving them. It's the full circle of what it means to give. So I just, I, I charge you with that today. And if, if we have another challenge, yesterday I challenged you to call somebody up and tell them you love them. Today, I want you to, and I'm trying to think about whether we should put together a list because I know, you know, you may or may not have the time today to find it. But I think over these next 40 days, if if you could say, all right, I'm going to make a conscious effort. Who out there is the last, the least, and the lost? Maybe it's somebody who is hungry and thirsty. Maybe it's somebody who's naked and needs clothing. Uh, maybe it's somebody who is in prison. Maybe it's a complete stranger that you want to be able to do something for. Understand that you doing something for them is just like doing something directly for Jesus. If you saw Jesus on a street corner, you would stop and you'd empty your wallet for that person. I'm saying follow your heart, follow your spirit on this stuff, but you wouldn't even question it, right? The person who's drinking on the corner and 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 there, and you know, be careful with what you do. But understand, everybody you look at, would you do? What wouldn't you do for Jesus? Well, whatever you do for them, you do for Jesus. And that's what I want to take us away with today, right? The incredible opportunity that we have on a daily basis to not only do something for others, but to do something directly for the Lord himself. Scripture says that in everything that you do, do it unto the Lord and not unto men, because your reward is from the Lord, right? It's a lifestyle. Give and it will be given unto you. We don't give so it will be given given unto us. That's a transactional lifestyle. I'm not here bartering with God. I love because he loved me first. And that's what I encourage you. That's why I pray to God that you begin to realize how much he loves you. Because if you realize how much God loves you, it will overflow from you onto others who's downtrodden who's what the world would deem as the last the least and the lost make a conscious effort to reach out and help somebody like that and when you do you're doing it right for Jesus you're doing it for God himself and that's a beautiful thing amen I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio, Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. Check us out, soh.church. You're listening to The 1% Christian. 100 starts with one. Go out and do something for God, right? Bless somebody. Bless somebody who's having a hard time. Bless somebody who the world would want to push away. Be that hand extended, that hand of Jesus. Amen. I love you guys. Have an awesome day. We're going to continue tomorrow. We're starting Matthew chapter 26. We're almost done with the gospel of Matthew, but we're having a good time. Have an awesome, awesome day.